Lasting Love Podcast, presented by CoachingWithFroy.com. You've found the place where single adults come for mindful wisdom and insight into how to attract and create healthy, lasting, conscious relationships. And now, here's your host, the owner of CoachingWithFroy.com, number one best-selling author, certified relationship coach, and TV analyst, Roy Biancalana. Well, hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Attracting Lasting Love Podcast. My name is Roy Biancalana. I am your host. And today's episode really is the result of a question that one of my clients asked me. I thought it was a really good question. And actually, when you when you hear it and you get into it, it's a fairly deep question. And I thought, you know, this would really make a great topic to discuss with you on this podcast. So here's what my client asked me. He asked me, how do you know when you're helping someone or giving to them or supporting them or relating with them, right? How do you know that, how do you know when you're giving has crossed a line to the point where it might be inappropriate or it's creating a kind of dependency or it's actually not helping but perhaps harming. And I thought that was a a great question because it really points to an issue that actually goes far beyond you know, intimate relationships. Now, on the intimate relationship level, uh, a lot of us uh, are familiar with the um, the dynamic where you meet someone and one person in the relationship kind of over-functions and the other person kind of under-functions. Right? There's even dynamics where one person seems to be the one who like functions as a mechanic and is fixing the other person, you know, or helping them with their problems or helping them get back on their feet, right? So a lot of us are familiar with kind of the rescuer or the savior or even the enabler. Right, it's very classic in addiction scenarios where there is an addict and an enabler. They sort of go together like cookies and milk. Right? Someone's in a pattern of addiction and the other person sort of covers for them or make excuses for them or maybe functions in a way that the addict doesn't face the consequences of their actions in some way. So my client was simply asking about his relationship with his girlfriend and some of the things that he was doing financially and emotionally and in their relationship and wondering if it was, you know, if he was functioning in the most conscious way where he was loving appropriately or whether maybe he was loving in a way that that wasn't serving the relationship or his partner. Um, 
But it really does bring up a bigger issue, right? We're all kind of familiar with the raising a child and, you know, some kids nine or 10 years old and the parents still have to tie their shoes. You know what I mean? Like you, you haven't trained the child to kind of take care of themselves. They're depending on the parents for a lot of things and so forth. So I thought this would be a really great conversation. Like what is conscious compassion? I mean, most of us probably at least want to be compassionate people. We, we want to help. We want to be generous. We want to give. We want to support others. We want to do what we can um, to help the people that we love and we care about. But if you've lived very long in this world, you know that there is a line there. Some And one of the phrases that's kind of come up maybe over the last 30 years is the phrase called tough love, right? What does that generally mean? Generally, that means sort of you're, you're facing this idea of compassion and maybe recognizing that helping someone, encouraging someone, you know, giving to them, uh, supporting them maybe is really not helping and they need more of a tough love more of a kick in the butt perhaps to take responsibility for something and do something for themselves, right? So I think all of us are familiar with this. And what's interesting, the Buddhists have a term for this, which, you know, I'm not a big practicing Buddhist, so I don't know if this is technically true, but this is what I've heard from someone who I think does know Buddhism, is that they talk about compassion. Compassion is a huge theme in Buddhism, as it is in most religions, but they are wise enough to know that there's a compassion category and then the other category called idiot compassion. <laughs> Evidently, that's what they call it. They call it idiot compassion, meaning you're showing compassion, but you know, it's stupid. It's, it's not helping. It's, it's not true compassion. It's not doing anybody any good, Right. So I'd like to talk about this a little bit, and I'd like to share basically what I, how I answered my client and maybe exp- expand on this because my guess is there are people in your life, whether you're in an intimate relationship or not, there are people in your life who you are helping, who you want to help, who you love, who you feel compassion for, who you want to support. They, they might be your children. They might be a best friend might be a coworker, might be a sibling, right? So all of us have got people in our lives and we have relationships with them. And those relationships then probably include something that you're doing for them or offering to them or they're asking of you and so forth. So I want you to think about this topic in relation to perhaps all of your relationships, maybe the ones you have with your parents, maybe you're taking care of an aging parent or you're not taking care of them per se, but you have relationships with your parents and so forth. And Okay. So think widely on this topic is what I'm saying. So here's basically how I answered the question, Roy, how do I know if I'm helping or harming with my compassion, with my support 
uh, in generosity of my time, my money, my advice, my wisdom, whatever it is that I'm offering? How do, how do I know if I'm helping or harming? Okay. So three things that I would say, and we'll start with what I think is the least of the three, and the last one will be the biggest telltale sign, okay? So the first way you would know whether you're helping or harming is whether or not the person has actually asked you for help. (laughs) If they haven't asked you for help, you are definitely harming. Even if the help or support or advice you're offering is on point and sound and wise, if they're not asking for it, you're intruding. Here's a phrase that I've learned. Unsolicited advice is veiled criticism. When you give somebody unsolicited advice, what you're basically doing is you're criticizing them. You're saying you don't know what you're doing. Here, let me just let me just tell you, you know, let me just give you some advice on this. You haven't asked for it. You haven't looked at me and said, "Hey, do you, do you have any feedback for me? Can you help me out here? You know, do you have any thoughts on this?" You just see a person living in a certain way, doing something, behaving in a way, taking certain actions, making certain decisions, and you kind of feel like you know the way they should be living. You know the choices that they should be making. And so you just jump in there and you start helping. You start telling them what to do, how they should think or believe or what they should do with their husband or their best friend or their children or something. So even if what you might be saying might actually have some wisdom in it, when it's not requested, you're harming. Because what you're doing is you're criticizing and you are assuming that you're right. You're assuming that you know the way some other person is supposed to be living. And you're getting involved in someone's business when it actually is none of your business. Now, this gets a little complicated when you're dealing with a child or a teenager. (laughs) But if you've ever had a teenager... And as a parent, you walk in there and you start telling your teenager what they should be doing or how they should be thinking or how they should be behaving, you're going to recognize you're going to get some pushback on that, right? So that's a very deep and complicated issue with your children between how much do you just let go and let them find their way and how much do you get involved. But generally speaking... If you have not been asked, then you're harming and you're going to get feedback, real, real powerful, negative feedback, hopefully, where people say, you know, who asked you, right? Like, because you're, you're, you're crossing a boundary there um, and you're getting involved in a person who has autonomy and you, you also, when you, when you give advice and you help and you haven't been asked, 
Um, not only are you sort of being arrogant as if you know what's right and the other person doesn't, um, in some ways you might be limiting what God or the universe is up to in that person's life. Because sometimes a person is making choices and doing something that might lead to a consequence and that consequence might be one of the most powerful learnings that they'll ever experience. But if you stick your nose in there and you rescue or try to save them and they haven't asked you for any help, you might be interfering with what life is trying to to teach this person. So that's the first one. And that's the least of the three is one of the ways, you know, you're helping or harming is if you haven't been asked, you're, you're harming. Okay. The second one is this. How do you know if you're helping or harming? A lot of it comes from, from how you feel in your helping, in your support, in your generosity, in whatever you're doing. How is your energy affected? How do you feel in the role that you're playing? Do you feel enlivened by what you're doing and how you're helping and the way you're interacting with this person? Do you, does it, yeah, do you feel good about it? Do you, does it, does it make your energy go up? Does it, sort of motivate you or I don't want to say thrill you. That's maybe too much of a word, but do you feel alive in it? Does it just feel good deep in your body or do you feel any sense of obligation? Like I'm doing this, but I really don't want to. I, I kind of feel like I should um, well, you know, they're my sister, they're my brother, or there's my partner, or it's my mom, or it's my coworker, and I sort of have to, um, you know. So you don't you don't feel really free and alive by by how you're by the role that you're playing with them. You kind of feel a little bit obligated, or it just is draining you a little bit. It's sucking a little bit of the life out of you. It's it's sort of um, a drag. It's sort of a uh, all right. I I'm I've got to help out with this financially, or I need to help them out with the kids, or I you know they're coming to me for advice about something, uh, right? So. This takes a little self-awareness. This takes you to be able to pay attention to the role you're playing and ask yourself, how does this feel to me? And I'm here to tell you, if it doesn't feel good to you, if it feels kind of draining, if it feels like, eh, I kind of have to do it, you know, or if you feel like you're doing something because it makes you look good, you know, it's like, I want people to think I'm a helpful person. I want people to think that I'm, you know, um, being good and being generous. In other words, if you get a sense that you're kind of helping for your own ego purposes to be noticed in a certain way, to be thought of in a certain way, or if you notice that you're doing it from obligation, 
and you're not feeling enlivened by it, then even no matter what you're doing, you're harming. You, you can know you're harming by how it feels in your body. Something's off. Because if you're doing something out of obligation, you're not really helping them. You're not in it for the right reason and you're the reason you feel obligated or you don't feel very alive in doing it is because there's maybe a little small voice inside of you that's saying, you, you probably shouldn't be doing this for them. Maybe they can learn how to do this for themselves. Um, maybe it's time to have a conversation about changing a, a role or the way you're functioning in a relationship, right? So a wise person pays attention to their energy and to their aliveness and to whether it's going up or going down and by what you do. Do I feel energized by this or drained by this? And they know that there's some wisdom in that energy. That if I'm not feeling good about what I'm doing, chances are I probably need to look at this. And and maybe I'm a harming. And I don't really, I'm not conscious of it, but my body is. Maybe that's the best way to say it. You might not be consciously aware that what you're doing really isn't helping them. It's actually harming them, but your body might. The, the energy levels in you, that little something in you, that little glitch. So this whole thing brings up the, the whole idea of understanding what's called a whole body yes or a no. A whole body yes is the way a conscious person makes decisions. They don't make them just simply from the intellectual level. Um, They make them more down from the somatic level, down in the body, in the heart, in the gut. There's a, you might even think there's, there's even kind of a deeper wisdom or a different kind of wisdom that comes from an intuition or from a gut level than it does from your head. You know, sometimes our heads are all filled with a lot of weird ideas and things that we've been taught as kids and a lot of our history and our beliefs and stuff is in our heads. And so sometimes our ability to make a a rational decision or to know something rationally from the head, sometimes that's not very trustable because there's all kinds of stuff in our brains, (laughs) okay? But there's a more reliable way to make decisions and it comes kind of from the deeper place inside of you, from your gut. And that's that energetic level, okay? So if you're ever wondering about your interactions with someone and have I crossed that line from really helping to hurting, Am I? have I gone from compassion to idiot compassion, your body probably knows. And it knows and you can know by the energetic shifts in you and how it feels in you, okay? So that's the second way. The first way is, has somebody even asked you to help? <laughs> if they haven't, you're harming them if you're, if you're jumping in, in their business. The second is noticing how it feels in your helping. If it doesn't feel good in you, then something's off and you're probably harming. But the third way, and you would think this would be obvious, but it really isn't. The third way, and it's the most important way to know if you're helping or harming, is does the issue 
recycle and come around again and again and again. In other words, are you having to continue to help this person in the same way? Maybe every week or every month or every six months. Is is what you're doing setting them free so that they don't need your help anymore? Or are you some are you in, in effect doing something temporary that's helping, but the issue is not getting resolved, and so they're going to come back to you again. Right? If if someone needs money, right, and say, okay, I, I, I'll help you out. You know, I'll, I'll pay your rent this month, you know, right? Um, if, if they're not doing anything then to get a job or to get on their feet financially, they're just going to come back to you next month for help again, right? And, and so when you're helping takes on a cyclical basis, uh, form, when a, 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 the issue is not being resolved. You're having to help someone. You have to keep giving them advice. You're having to keep giving money. You're having to keep giving comfort and understanding or or a, a shoulder to cry on or a big hug. If, if you're having to continually function in your role, you're not helping them. You're actually harming them. In this sense, there's a couple of ways we can illustrate this. The first is that very common saying, if a person is hungry, you can give them a fish. Okay, you've helped them. They're hungry. Oh, you poor thing. You're hungry. I I love you. I have compassion for you. I, I have understanding. Here, let me give you something to eat. Let me give you a fish. Okay? That's idiot compassion. Real, true compassion is, uh, let me teach you how to fish. Because if I just give you a fish, you're going to be hungry tomorrow. And I'm going to have to give you another fish. And we're going to create a dependency here. Where I'm going to function in a sort of a rescuing, saving, enabling role. And you're going to be functioning in this victim role. In this dependent role. In this you know, person who's down on their luck role. And, and we're going we're gonna to create a cycle of dependency here where you're going to get hungry tomorrow and you're going to need another fish and I'll, fi- I'll feed you tomorrow, but then you're going need, to need another one the next day, right? So if you really want to help that person, you'll teach them how to fish. And when you teach them how to fish, they won't need you anymore. So how do you know if you're helping or harming? You know on how long does the helping go on? (laughs) If it goes on very long at all, you're actually harming them. You're actually maybe helping them stay in a, a place in their life that they shouldn't stay in. You're maybe helping them in a way that keeps them from having to face something or take action or take responsibility for something. I think the best illustration of this that I've ever come up with, that I've ever heard, comes from the world of boxing. Okay, Now, I don't know how much you know about boxing. You don't have to know very much to understand what I'm going to say here. But in professional boxing, during a boxing match, you know, there's two fighters and each of them have some support people in their corner. Okay, 
Now, normally, it's at least two people. Each fighter has two people. They have their trainer, which is like their coach, the, the one that helps them with their strategy, you know, about how to win the fight and the tactics and the, the strategies, you know, is their coach or their trainer. The other person they have in their corner is someone called the cut man. Okay? The cut man. Now, what's the cut man do? Well, the cut man is the person that works on the fighter in between rounds, right? They ring the bell. The fighter comes back to the corner, sits on the little stool, if you've seen like the movie Rocky, right? You know, and they patch up their face. They use a Vaseline or a salve or something to stop the bleeding, to patch up the wounds, you know, and to sort of put them back together again so that they can go back into the ring and get the shit beat out of them again. That's a cut man. The cut man is not really helping the fighter. <laughs> well, the, the cut man is helping the fighter stay in the situation that's harming them. Right now, now, that's the idea of boxing, right? So don't take this too literally. But I think you see my point. Sometimes people come to you, someone who's in a bad marriage or a bad relationship or a, a really bad job with a boss who's an asshole, and you're their best friend or you're their partner or you're a sibling or something, and regularly they come to you beat up. Probably not physically beat up, although that still does happen. But they come to you emotionally beat up from their relationship and the way their spouse treats them, their boyfriend or girlfriend treats them, or their boss treats them, or, you know, something like that. They come to you all beat up, right? Somebody rang the bell and they call you up on the phone, or they come to your house, or, you know, you meet them for a drink and they just start pouring out their problem to you and, and how they're just getting a shit beat out of them. And, and, oh man, my wife is a, bitch or my husband's an asshole and or my boyfriend's this and my boss is that and you patch them up by your words of encouragement oh you poor thing oh my god that's horrible oh yes your husband is an asshole oh your wife is a bitch oh your boyfriend this oh your your boss that i can't believe it that's so unfair it's just i really agree with you and and that's that's just so tough and come here let, let, let me buy you a drink or you know, let me, let me give you a hug, right? And they listen and you listen to them, right? You, you're there, you're present, you're listening, you're giving, you're offering encouragement and, and by doing so, in a way, you patch them up. You make them feel better because you're, you're giving them your idea of compassion, your idea of love, your idea of support. So you're like the cut man, you're patching them up a little bit and they feel better by talking to you. They really do. They feel energized. They just feel so good that you know me and you understand what I'm going through. I just, I feel encouraged. I feel supported. I feel loved. And, and it's like they, they gain the strength to go back into the ring and get the shit beat out of them again. So what you've done is you've harmed them. You've 
you've given love, you've given encouragement, you've given support, you've given advice, you've, you've, you've patched them up so they can go back into the lifestyle that they're experiencing and they're going to get beat up again. They're going to get, you know, emotionally abused, verbally abused, whatever lifestyle they've created that is causing them to kind of get bruised and beaten and need to come talk to you about, that's still there. And you're simply encouraging them in a way that gives them a little bit of strength to go back into that that situation and it's going to happen all over again. The next week or the next month or however long it might be, they're going to come back to you and say, oh my God, my husband, my wife, my girlfriend, my boss, my children, my this, my that. And then you're going to offer, you're going to patch them up. You're going to say, oh, come here. Let me encourage you. Let me love you. Oh, you poor thing. It really is horrible. Those people are so wrong for what they're doing. And, and, and that's going to, that's going to encourage them. That's going to kind of strengthen them. And they're going to, so that they can go back into the same scene and it's going to happen again. That's idiot compassion. You're not helping them. You're harming them. What you should be doing, if they're coming to you, first, if they're going to ask, you might say, do you, do you want my help? Do you really want me to, to give you some thoughts on this? Yes, I do. I really, I really do. I really, I, 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 you know, are you willing to do something to change it? Or, are, or am I just going to sit here and make you feel better so you can go back into the environment that's causing you so much pain? Right, so if you're if you're getting some yeses on that, then you might say, "Well, let's have a conversation about how to change the dynamic so that you don't get your face beat in." <laughs> right, so the cut man could look at the the, the fighter and say, "I'm not going to patch up your face anymore, not not to enable you to go back in there and get beat up some more. I love you too much to see you do that. I'm going to challenge you to get your ass out of the ring, come out of that." Make a change. Take responsibility. Do something. Get out of that relationship. Set some new boundaries. Go have a conversation. But if if you're getting wounded, if you're getting hurt, I, I want to challenge you to do something for yourself to change the dynamic. Otherwise, we're going to go around in this circle forever. And I don't think that's helping you and I'm getting bored with it, which is the second point I made, right? He's like, I'm getting a little bored having the same conversation with you. Every time I get together with you, you complain about your partner, about your job, or about your health, or about, you know, your kids, or every time we get together, you tell me that, and and I think I've, I've been do, doing you a disservice by not giving you a little tough love, saying like, Change something, do something. But I'm, I'm sort of bored hearing the same old story out of you. Now, that the other person might not like it. But now you might be actually helping them. Right? It doesn't mean they're going to like it necessarily. And there are ways of saying it, you know, that are not as sort of brash as I'm saying it right now. I, I'm speaking this way to make a point, right? There may be some some ways of communicating this that 
will help you or help the other person maybe recognize that they should be thinking about how to take responsibility and make a change so that they quit experiencing the pain they're experiencing, right? So this is the most important one. If you find that you're having to function in a role over and over and over and over again, you're not helping. You're actually harming them. You're keeping them stuck. Now, when you see this and you decide that, man, I'm playing a role here. I'm being a hero, a savior, a rescuer, and that's allowing this person to remain a victim, you know, and to remain stuck. Um, when you see that and you want to change that, sometimes the person will wake up with you and say, you know what? You're right. What we're doing here. I come to you and I complain and whine and you give me a big hug and that encourages me to go back and I make no changes and then we have to do it over and over again. They may see it with you and say, you know what? I do need to make a change. I, I do need to do something to keep to, to change the whole dynamic on my end. Would you help me with that? Oh, okay, great. Now you can help them learn how to take responsibility. In other words, they're asking you, could you teach me how to fish? So that I get out of this situation where I'm not dependent on you and and so forth. I, I want to be liberated, and I, you know, in other words, I want to get out of the ring. I don't want to keep going through this pain. I want to solve this issue and move on with my life. Well, then then you can help with that. That's a whole different kind of help, right? But sometimes when you notice this dynamic and you tell a person, "I'm no longer willing to be your cut man." Because I think I'm harming you by sort of giving you the emotional strength to go back into a, you know, an unhealthy dynamic. I don't want to do that anymore. I, 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 I'm out. I don't want to function like this. I love you too much to sort of enable you or to, to be your rescuer or something. And, and it's just not a healthy thing that's going on here. And when you challenge them to take responsibility and, get out of a relationship or set boundaries or get a different job or have a very difficult conversation, whatever it is, there's a chance that they might tell you to take a flying leap. There's a chance you might lose that relationship because the relationship has been codependent, right? They're hurting and you're the rescuer. You're the hero. They're the victim, right? You're in this kind of codependency type of thing. And if you don't play your role, that other person can very often get really pissed. You're my friend. I thought you were my friend. If you were my friend, then you would not, you would not be saying this to me. You don't know how hard it is to be me and how difficult it is and all the challenges that I'm facing. And this just not fair. You're a bitch or you're a bastard. And, you know, I never want to speak to you again. You know, that can happen. So the issue is you seeing whether you're actually helping or harming. Because the ending of the relationship, if that's what it comes down to, that actually still might be better for them than continuing to function in the way you have been. Because if you continue to function the way you have been, nothing's going to change. They're going to continue to get the shit beat out of them 
and the bell's going to ring. They're going to come to the corner and you're going to patch them up and then they're going to go back in there. And it's, you're going to go with endless rounds of that. But if you say, I'm not being your cup man anymore, I want to invite you to get out of the ring. But if they don't want to get out of the ring and they say, well, then I'm firing you. I don't want you. I'm going to, you know, if, if the relationship ends, even that sometimes can be so jolting that it can make a difference in the person's life. So let me just wrap up this podcast. Let me give you an example of this. Okay. This has happened to me in my life on two or three different occasions where I have had very long, deep friendships with people where I found that we had a codependency going on and I was functioning as kind of the hero rescuer and the other person was in the pain, you know, in the victim and so forth. And this, this goes back to my high school roommate. Okay. Uh, no, I'm sorry. My college roommate. We met my freshman year. Um, we were roommates and we just got arbitrarily put together in our dorm together and we became friends. And this is in like 1978. Okay. So in college, he met the woman that he eventually married. And um, during our friendship and during that relationship, after they got married, they got married pretty much right out of, out of college. So knowing him for four or five years, he got married to this girl. And soon, and soon after that, um, he was also getting into being a pastor of a church. Okay? And so throughout most of the 80s, you know, we were best buddies. We talked four or five times a week. We were living in different parts of the country after college, um, but we were best buddies. We talked golf. We talked sports. We would talk spirituality. We would talk about our wives because I got married right out of college too. And the recurring theme in his life was that his job as a pastor was taking a pound of flesh out of him. It was a very difficult environment and it was killing him. It was, it was emotionally beating him up. The way the congregation was functioning, the way the church was functioning, the way he was functioning with the church, it, his, he really was getting eaten alive with his job. Okay, and him and his wife were really having problems. He, it, you know, just to put it in basic terms, he just every time I talked to him, he'd share about a fight or an argument or something they got into, and so. Our conversations, at least once a week, we get on the phone and say, John, how you doing? He'd say, my job is killing me and my wife is a bitch. My job is killing me. My wife is a bitch. And I was his best friend and I loved him. And for years, actually about two decades, that was the conversation that we had all the time. I mean, basically, we talk sports, we talk this or that. How's it going at work? Oh, man, it's hard. It's killing me. I mean, I got some people that are complaining and whining and, you know, and he would just tell me how difficult his job was and it was just taking a pound of flesh out of him. And, you know, how's, how's your wife? You know, how's she doing? And uh, how's, how's your marriage and what's going on there? And, ah, you know, my, my wife's a bitch. And my job's killing me. Okay. So around the year 2007, 
Okay, That's how long this went on. Because in the meantime, well, I just love my friend. I was just encouraging him. Well, you know, that's how it is in the church. You know, you're called to suffering. You know, Jesus died on the cross. And so it's hard work, working with people, running an organization, you know, preparing your messages every week. And then people kind of judge you and evaluate the message. Was it good or was it not? The church grows. It doesn't. You know, they criticize your leadership. You know, it's just kind of the way it goes, man. But you got to hang in there. You know, God loves you. You know, you're doing God's work. You know, you're, so you see what I'm doing? I'm, I'm giving him encouragement and, and support. I'm, I'm, I'm patching him up like a cut man in a corner so you can go back into a toxic environment in your church. And the toxic environment is going to beat you up again next week and next month and then we're going to have this conversation again and i'm going to patch you up i'm going to i'm going to encourage you i'm going to love you i'm going to give you some thoughts you got you got a shoulder to cry on you got someone to talk to who's not involved in your church and that can give you a kind of strength to go back into the toxic environment and it was the same with his wife I say, oh yeah, she's she's. I can't believe she said that. Can't believe she's doing that. That's so unfair. Blah 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 blah. And so my involvement with him, with him was giving him the strength to continue in a toxic marriage and in a toxic work environment. And then in my own growth and my own spiritual path and learning about what it means to live consciously. You know, I, I really jumped on this path around 2003 or four in a serious way um, where it was really my new thing that I was learning and discovering. And I started to to understand these dynamics of hero and victim and this codependency. And so one day, and I, I have to admit that I had my own complaints about my wife and I had my my first wife, I had my own complaints about my job, and John was kind of doing that for me, in a sense. So we were truly codependent. So yeah, so I don't want to paint it like he was doing all that and I was this evolved guy. No, I had my own complaints about my wife and our sex life and blah 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 and my my job and my finances and you know, and so we just encouraged each other. But we never really ever said, are you going to do something about this or are we going to keep having the same conversation until kingdom come? Nobody ever thought of that. Nobody ever saw that. But we were having the same conversations over and over and over again for 20 some years. Okay. But then finally I saw it. I don't know how, just the work I had been doing, some of the coaching that I had been receiving from my coach. And I started to see, man, our relationship, the roles we're playing with each other, we're sort of each other's cut man who is enabling us both to go back into our particular rings and get the shit beat out of us. And I saw it. And one day I said, John, man, um, first, man, I'm getting bored hearing about you hate your job and your wife's a bitch. Your job is killing you. Your wife's a bitch, man. I, we've been doing this forever, man. I'm tired of hearing it. I mean, I'm, I'm not mad at you. I'm just saying, I'm just telling you over here, I'm bored with this. I, Dude, here's, here's, here's where I am right now. If you want to talk about how to accept your choices and live in peace 
with your job and your wife, I will talk about that. If, if you want to talk about how to change your job or get a different job or how to get marriage counseling or go through a divorce or change your marriage so that it's not so toxic, I'll talk about that. So in other words, I'll talk about learning to accept it so there's no complaining anymore. There's no pain. There's no suffering. I've, I've chosen this job. I've chosen this woman and it's perfectly fine. No complaining, no nothing. If you want to talk about how to get there or how to change it completely, I'm all in. I want to have that conversation. But if you just want to have the conversation where we get on the phone and we complain about our lives and our wives and we don't really do anything about it, I'm out. So John, I'm just unwilling to hear you talk negatively about your job or your wife unless you're going to do something about it and do something about it now. And he said to me, in two, it was October 17th of 2007, he said, fuck you, Roy, and hung up the phone. And I have never spoken to him since. And it kills me. I mean, I know the exact date. He was my best friend. And I challenged him, get out of the ring, man. Let's both, let's get out of the ring here. This is not a healthy dynamic we're doing. We're not really helping each other. We're harming each other. We're helping each other stay stuck. We're not calling each other to take responsibility. Do something. Get a divorce or get counseling. Get a different job or something. And and, and he wasn't in my face talking about all that stuff. We were enabling each other to stay stuck. And for whatever reason, I saw it and I called it out. And I said, John, I don't want to play that role with you anymore. I, I don't want to play my victim role and have you rescue me. And I don't want you playing yours. I'm out. I'm not doing this anymore. That's the last time I ever talked to him. So that's not very encouraging, is it? I don't know if that's going to help. I think it may have helped John long term. I don't really know. My guess is those words simmered in him. And at some point he recognized that there's some real truth there. Um, But I don't know because I haven't spoken to him. I have reached out like one time about, about five years after that. I was in his hometown and I reached out to try to see him have lunch and just see what we could talk about. And he refused. So that's not a very happy ending. But in a sense, it is a happy ending because, man, I was harming him and he was harming me. So there you go. If you ever want to know, man, um, is my compassion harming or hurting? The way you would know is, first of all, have they asked for my help? If they haven't, you're harming them. How do you feel in giving your help? If it doesn't feel right, if it doesn't make you feel alive, if if it feels obligatory or you feel like you're doing it just to make a good showing, if it doesn't feel good in you, then you're, you're harming yourself and the other person. And then lastly, if you see that you're helping the same person the same way over and over and over again, then you're in a codependent part and you're not helping. You're harming.
So there you go. I want to offer you my support in this. You may be thinking of some very difficult things right now, some very difficult relationships, and maybe needing to have some very difficult conversations. I don't know. I don't know what this is bringing up in you, but I want to let you know this is what I do as a coach, helping people end drama and create really compassionate, conscious connections rather than codependent, drama-filled connections. So if you need help in this, if you, if you need to talk it through, if you need to bounce some ideas, well, that's what I do as a coach over here. So please you know, reach out to me, coachingwithroy at gmail.com, 407-687-3387. We can talk about setting up a coaching program uh, where we deal with these issues and, and other issues that might be affecting your ability to attract lasting love. So I'm here. I'm here to, to give you compassion, the conscious compassion, to support you in taking responsibility and creating relationships that are really of service and are really healthy and really lasting. And so until we have that conversation, take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Attracting Lasting Love with Roy Biancalana. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with anyone you think might benefit from listening. Check out our website at coachingwithroy.com and tune in every week for more insights and wisdom on creating healthy, lasting, conscious relationships.